0: This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life, and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. I'm joined today on Life and Soul by Heather Dubrow, somebody I'm a huge fan of. She's an actress, television personality, host, podcast host, wife, mother. She's known for everything from her glamorous East Coast style, her talent, her ability to talk to anybody. I have been in her company through so many things during lockdown. You have no idea, Heather. I have watched (laughs) you. On every shopping channel, I just want you to know that I have bought so much medical equipment via you (laughs) for the pandemic. My wand has been my lifesaver, obsessed with the wand. I bought it for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was a genuine purchaser. I'd be like, yes, I got my K95 masks. And the minute Terry says, hurry, otherwise
1: they're going to sell out. I'm like, yes, I know. You should see our house. I mean, I have more masks and PPE. (laughs) than anyone. But what was kind of nice about it was, you know, obviously being able to pivot during this period of time and supply people with stuff they need. You know, we always work with the food bank for years. And so right as lockdown happened, people think of Orange County as such a a wealthy area. Orange County is huge. It's an enormous, enormous county. And there's a real problem with, you know, homelessness and, you know, a lot of kids that, that aren't getting food and a lot that rely on school as their main source of food and for the weekends and that kind of thing. So we were working a lot with that and, and, you know, trying to help with trucks and food for the kids. And then when we sort of started selling and mostly Terry was selling uh, this medical equipment, the PPE, we started working with the Navajo nation and getting a whole bunch of PPE there. I mean, there was just, I loved seeing everyone come together and learning about all these different pockets and people and how we could all help each other. So, Well, I
0: think what, what what I loved was that basically I saw the pandemic. I don't know what you think, but but it was sort of divided into the people that were the doers and like proactive and did stuff. And genuinely one of the things I love about you is you are a mom. I want to chat to you about that role as a mom, because I think you're a brilliant mom. And in particularly I've just adored seeing how you've dealt with your beautiful daughter, Max, coming out. You've just, you're just a mom in a million on that mm-hmm. way. But I thought you know, people either did stuff and they really tried to get out there and help and do things. And you, you did your Instagram. I was such a follower of like people that did real Instagrams talking about if they were anxious, talking about sitting at home in sweats. You did amazing cookery in the beginning. I, mean, I haven't <laughs> seen as many of that, but the cookery was
1: way out there. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't cook, so it was, a, <laughs> it was a lot. And look, I used to cook back in the day. I mean, yeah. i very gratefully as the years have gone on, I've, been able to afford other people to take on certain household roles that I don't need to do anymore. I, I'm not sorry about that and I'm not going to apologize. For it. But during lockdown, it was back to the scrubbing and the cooking and the whole thing. And the kids were pretty good sports and Terry was amazing about it, but yeah, it was a lot, but for me, social media and, you know, Todd, you're a mom also, and you know, you see how it affects your children and all this. I think it affects, uh, adults the exact same way, but we're, we're, we don't realize it. And so seeing all this perfection all yeah. the time across social media is very difficult for people's insecurities and your egos yep. and feeling less than in all of this. And I certainly am like that too. So I just try to show the truth. I really do most of my Instagram posts without makeup and just kind of real and raw and I'm 52 and this is what I look like. And yes, I like to be glammed and do all that, but gosh, we're all just people and let's relate on, on a real level. I
0: think that's exactly what I noticed. Because as you say, Instagram is a lot about perfection. And I thought, you know, you tell it like it is. I'm the same. That's what I try and do on my Instagram. And I think that almost the pandemic sort of switched that in people. We almost sort of owed it to people to be. Like, this is happening to all of us. That's why I loved your cookery. Because your husband, let me tell you, he loved every dish you made. (laughs) I've never seen anybody more complimentary. He'd be like, this is amazing. This is like a 10 out of 10. But it was funny. And you didn't apologize for the fact that you hadn't cooked in years and that this was a whole new experience. I cook, Heather, but you did, like, adventurous cooking. You weren't doing boring cooking. You did, like, themed events. So
1: 10 out of 10 for... For effort on every level. I did. And, I, you know, the hardest part was, you know, having all the kids in the house. And obviously, as all moms know across the world, that for some reason, they need to eat like 14 times a day for some (laughs) reason when they're home. And I have one vegetarian and one who was dabbling in vegetarianism at the time (laughs) and one who's picky. And so it was a lot. But yeah, there were parts of it I actually really enjoyed and honestly i wasn't doing anything else so I well play. i was going to say that was the thing and i saw i was watching you and
0: and your daughter max doing a thing the other day and she was talking about how anxious she is about not wanting to leave the house and mm-hmm. i thought you probably had to deal with that in that everybody's had their different i guess comfort zones and what they wanted to do and anxieties and boredom and levels of like what next and And I guess for you, homeschooling, which you've got five kids, that must have been like another level four kids. Yeah,
1: four kids. But um, yes, and the thing with Max, and they each, they were each going through their very different particular things during this period of time, as we all were. So, you know, not just dealing with my emotions and Terry's emotions, he was home for 10 weeks, which was a lot for him. And then the kids, Max in particular, I mean, she had such high highs and such low lows. It was so crazy. You know, coming out as bisexual was huge for her and it was a beautiful, big moment. And I was so proud of though, just the way she handled everything. But conversely, her low moments were she's always had a lot of social anxiety. And she I'm not telling anything, by the way, that she wouldn't talk about herself. Yeah. But she always had terrible anxiety, but she was forced to go to school. So she was like, you know, um, what do you call that? The kind of therapy where they throw you into the fire, you yeah. know, that thing. Yeah. So, so she had to go to school every day. She had to interact when lockdown happened. I mean, she almost became agoraphobic. It was crazy. Like she just got physically sick if she had to leave the house. So it was a lot to go through and manage. And by the way, I will tell you, she is so much better now. And she's using every resource and every tool and therapy and and all of it. But you know what? I think it's affected a lot of us. I mean, I
0: I spoke about it recently. I went into New York for the day because I could actually go to a hair salon and things like that. I had massive anxiety because I realized that- that I was in a city, it was so much more crowded, and everything I touched, I thought, "Oh my god, I'm in an elevator." There's been everybody's touched the. the I mean, I used probably a hundred buckets of hand sanitizer, and I was a walking ad for your wands because I was. Every time I left, I was like, you "We're
1: wandering." I need to like, I
0: did. I need to like disinfect, and I think, I think everybody's had a level of that. But in terms of like your daughter coming out, just to quickly touch on that, I do think perhaps how lucky for her in a way that she could do it during lockdown with your, as her sort of surrounding, if you like.
1: Yeah. I wonder, it's funny. No, I haven't really discussed that, but I wonder why she chose that. Well, I've never asked her. I really should ask her. Cause I really don't know why she, I mean, we had known for a while. It wasn't like news yeah. to me, but yeah. um. But I wonder why she did choose that moment. I wonder if it, it, you know, maybe it was. Maybe I don't know if she had like a conscious thought, like, I'm going to do it now because I'm home. But I wonder if subconsciously it felt very safe because she didn't have to go into school and she didn't. It's interesting that you say that. I don't know. Well, you've got wonderful kids. I think they're all just fantastic. And I, when I
0: knew I was chatting to you today, I thought, I've got to tell Heather this because I. I talk about everything a bit like, your. I mean, I love your podcast and you talk about everything to do with the health and wellness, the latest trends and everything like that. And I often use your gorgeous husband's name in vain, but in the best possible <laughs> way, because I'm a real scaredy cat when it comes to doing any kind of procedure, right? My go-to line, which maybe is a lot of other women's line is go, like, oh my God, I can't because I'd end up on botched. And <laughs> I mean it as a compliment because I have full faith that he would be able to resurrect my face, but I do feel like I would be the person that would end up on. On the show with you going god terry you've got to do emma i met her on a podcast she went and did something and now she's <laughs> gonna
1: be series 109 episode one you couldn't <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny you know all right so everyone assumes and is, believes that i've done everything like head to toe everything i haven't and i haven't had surgery um he did my uh Uh, I had an umbilical hernia after having the kids Yeah, and he he said it was so ugly and whatever. And he's like, listen, if you end up with pain, I I can't do anything for you. They're going to take you to the ER and slice you, you know, vertically. It's not going to be cute. I'm like, fix it, fix it. And he cleaned (laughs) up my C-section scar while he was there, but that's all I've done. I'm terrified too, because (laughs) I, you know, Look, when you're in your 20s and 30s and even 40s, you you, you tell these things to yourself like, I'm going to be fine. Uh, a little Botox, maybe a little sculpture or something. But you know what? I'm going to go into this gracefully. Yeah, You know, my mom is 78. She's never had surgery. She looks fantastic. Yeah. Thankfully, we have a good set of genes. I think that's why he married me. One of the reasons anyway. But now I'm 52 and I look at my neck and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what? Like, am I really? Is this really? And now I know I'm old because my sister, who's a year and a half older than me, she now sends me pictures of celebrities and goes, what do you think? Like, what if they had done? Like, this is where the conversation has gone. And so, I mean, it's terrifying, but I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to just do mostly non-surgical solutions.
0: Well, I was going to say you do. And I feel like when I watch you, cause I know you've got like a skin rate. I mean, there's so many aspects to, to, to the industry, if you like that you two have created. And and I think that's it. I'm sure people do assume that you do everything. And, I, and, it's, and it's refreshing to hear that you don't. But I think that also maybe the pandemic has sort of slightly changed everybody's view on that because nobody could get anything done anyway. I mean, there was a rumor here in the Hamptons that there was somebody going around with a Botox needle in a kind <laughs> of hazmat suit doing it behind hedges in people's gardens. I never witnessed it, but I mean, I would fully believe it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it for a second, but I think people were freaking out that they couldn't
1: do stuff. Yep. I I didn't, by the way, I didn't get Botox during that period of time either. I mean, there was just, there was nothing, there was nothing. We had to rely on on the skincare. That's what we needed. I know, but I think what's concerning is because we're all seeing ourselves on the Zoom and so big and the whole thing, it's like you start to go, oh, Lordy, like what's going on there? What's going on here? But I I do love, you know, that the universe ruins our eyesight as we get older. So everything's kind of in soft focus. So, you know, if you just if you take a step back from the mirror, you look like a hundred times better. (laughs) So that's what I that's what I'm trying to do now. (laughs) No, you look amazing and you've
0: always looked amazing. And I, you know, obviously I saw you originally on The Real Housewives of Orange County and I know that's in the past now. I don't even need to talk about that. But I was wondering whether you were a big fan of watching reality TV, because particularly in lockdown, I'm not ashamed to say I've watched a lot. I've done everything from Love Island to um, Hoarders Buried (laughs) Alive, one of my current favourites, Flip It or Sell, I mean, Flip It or Own It, whatever. I mean, I have gone the entire spectrum of reality TV, have you done that? Or have you gone
1: more sort of movies, Netflix? Um, You know what, I really, to be honest with you, I felt like during the, the, the middle, like where no one left the house at all for four or five months, you know, where I live, there were outdoor, there was a, yeah. there was a, we always have good weather. So there was outdoor dining was open for a long time. So we could always yeah. go somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, but during that period of time, I feel like there was so much to do with the kids and the house and just constantly cooking and picking up and whatever that I feel like there wasn't a ton of downtime. Like I did like the things like I bought puzzles that we never finish. Well, I, but, yeah. You know, I did stuff like that, but I was planning my themed dinners and cooking for seven hours and putting <laughs> up a Chef Heather uniform. I watched the things that got kind of hot, like the Tiger King and, yes. and you know, course, Love Doesn't and that wand. seem
0: like years ago now? The years ago. I oh, feel this- like that, that would be... I mean, genuinely, that's the first time I've heard the Tiger King. And obviously it was just a
1: year ago. I feel like that was like 10 years ago I was talking about. I know. And so, and I did watch some movies and I caught up on some things, but really, I mean, the bulk of what I did this year. So my twins had turned 16, they're 17 now, but they had turned 16, like three months before lockdown. So they had just started driving and they were gone. I mean- Gone bye. I had to remind my son that he was 16. Like, you're not 25, you don't live in an apartment, you still have to tell your mother where you're going. Hello, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they came back because they couldn't go anywhere. And it was a gift that I will absolutely always cherish that the four kids and me and Terry like regrouped. And even though we've always had a great relationship, you know what happens when they're teenagers, they get douchey and like, you know, everyone goes through their stuff and it really pulled our family together in a very cool, interesting way. And that's not to say it was all perfect. People fought, they were done with each other, you know, at certain times, but it really was an important period of time and still is. And the ripple effects of that period of time really is lasting.
0: I agree. Because as I you know, said to you in the beginning, I've got a son who's on the West Coast who, you know, obviously is at USC, but not at USC um, because of the pandemic. But it's interesting because he'd really left home. You know, he'd done the, the huge move and suddenly he was back and, and he was like, this is what you've always longed for, mamas, for us to both be back in the home and my daughter. And I was like, oh, I'm in heaven because I knew where everybody was. I could switch my phone off. There was a great sort of security. And we did things like we sat and spoke at dinner and I did the same, we bought puzzles that we didn't do, but we did do a lot more together. And the ripple effect has continued. And I'm actually going to LA to see my son. I haven't seen him since Christmas. And for the first time, I mean, he will be mortified if he hears this, but I genuinely think he's missed me because he liked having us all around, you know? And I said, oh, are you going to stay with us? Are you going to go back downtown to your apartment? He's like, I might stay a few days. I mean, I'm not going to commit to it. I said, no, no, don't commit. (laughs) But I know secretly
1: he's like, yep. You missed me. You liked being home with your mom and dad for a bit. It's such a nice testament to you as a mother that you've created that kind of environment and their relationship. I mean, I never would have gone home. (laughs) I've been like,
0: we're good. We're staying here. Yeah, I think think we've done good jobs if our kids like being at home. And you and Terry have this amazing sort of, you know, the, the, the sort of everything that you've created around what you've both done and the way you've sort of meshed separate careers you know a surgeon an actress but how you've brought it all together is brilliant and I know you've done these books and I know that you're passionate about wellness and I guess again with the pandemic and everything wellness has now become ever more important you know you've done these two diet books but I know because I hate the word I always tell people I hate the word diet which I sort of yeah. do but what I like is, is that they're not really diets it's like lifestyle changes it's a lifestyle yeah. that you can do and I wondered whether, you know, I, I just wanted more of your opinion really on the whole wellness thing and what you feel about it and where it's going.
1: Well, I mean, I think this year has just been so crazy. Look, just like everyone else, I gained weight. Yeah. You know, this past year, which I'm actually, I've been suffering and, and, celebrating at the same time, strangely, because it's hard to see your body change over the years. But there's also something kind of liberating when you gain a few pounds and you're a little like, I got my sort of curvy figure back. And I was like, okay, (laughs) Okay. that's good. Yeah, But I I think that we've learned two things. Number one, personal wellness is more important than ever. Our immune systems, our strength. I mean, this is how we fight off things like this. And then conversely, giving ourselves a break because, yeah. and I'm yeah. the same way because I've always been super hard on myself. I didn't have parents that like worked out and, and cared about stuff like that just wasn't their generation. And so I learned it later and really got into it, but I've definitely had periods of time in my life. I, yeah, I'm on camera. So you could sort of blame part of it on that, but you know, even just societally where you feel like I need to look like this Um, You know, I want to be fit. I want to be thin. I want to be, I have no cellulite, which is ridiculous. Everyone has cellulite, but you know, all that kind of stuff. And I really feel like we've learned, give yourself a break. Yeah. And I I was talking to someone recently on my podcast, let me think about who it was. And she was saying, um, you know, you have to look at your body and, and you, you can't look at your body and say, I love my body. It's perfect. It's, and talk to yourself into it because you won't believe yourself. But she was saying, look, say something that you'll believe like this is a human body. Okay, we can all agree on that. This is a human body. All right, yeah, move on, next thing. So I feel like give yourself a break for yeah. sure. It is a human body. You're strong. You're fit. You've carried this is what I say don't like myself. Like you've carried four children in this body. You can run, you're strong, you're healthy. Like what a great carcass you got here, right? Yeah. And it's kind of cute. You know, it's not perfect. No, I don't have implants and these are real and it's not what it looked like 30 years ago, but it's me and it's my body. So I've learned to definitely give myself a break. But what's more important to me than looking good or how the jeans fit or what I look like in the dress. And I am vain. I still do care. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But what's more important is what's my health look like? Yeah. Am I I want to make sure that when my kids get married, I can dance at the wedding. I want to make sure that I can pick up my grandkids. I saw a video of Goldie Hawn the other day. Oh, um, I mean, don't we love her? Phenomenal. And she had her granddaughter on a backpack and she was I shopping. saw that. Did you see that? And I was yeah. like, I want that. I I, I want to be that. And that's now my focus and my goal. I'm so with you. She, in fact, is my
0: goal. And what I love about her is she's not perfect. She does have a few curves. And I mean, she wouldn't mind me saying that, but you're right. She's strong. She's fit. She laughs. She dances. She does all of that. And I also think it's really important with kids to, to make them feel confident in themselves too particularly with social media particularly I find with girl you know having a daughter I'm like no matter how much I educate her on it she'll look at open her Instagram and there'll be a supermodel in a bikini with a better tan than you can ever have with a kind of completely flat stomach and I'm like genuinely it's been apt you know it's kind of not real life and is that getting the balance right between being fit and healthy and I'm like you I've I've gained the COVID six to seven pounds and I, I put it down to the fact that I thought the elasticated waist in my sweatpants was, you know, <laughs> it was just feeling constricting when I put the jeans on till I thought, no, yes, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I've actually gone up a size in the jeans. <laughs> I don't even think they should make jeans
1: anymore, quite frankly. I don't
0: either. And particularly <laughs> not with sizes. It's too depressing to have sizes. I just feel like you should just go into a shop, just try them on and then yeah. you just have like a sort of a blank
1: label. That would be yes. a cool thing for somebody to sell. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you watch Bridgerton? Yes. Did you love it? I mean, I did. I felt like I was watching... It made Fifty Shades of Grey look kind of... So um, oh. I know, and I watched it with my daughter, Max, and, like, when the sex scene happened, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, look, you know, we're very close. We talk about everything, but even she said... No, awkward. awkward. Yeah, no, <laughs> I watched it with my daughter, and she was like, Mom, this is super awkward. I was like,
0: I know, I have no... <laughs> I had no idea it was going to be like that. Yes, I did watch Bridgerton. I mean, I loved it. I watched everything. The Crown, Bridgerton, you name it. I've watched all of those. But that one was
1: kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I love Downton Abbey. That's one of my favorites. Yes. Everybody loves Downton Abbey. I
0: feel like we've all gone back in time and loved this. And I hadn't watched The Crown till the pandemic. I was so behind the times. And I guess because I was away from England, it was such a lovely thing to watch in the pandemic. I just felt like so nostalgic and it was just a whole different thing. I'm curious what you thought about the Meghan and Harry interview. I'm just so upset by the entire thing, like in its entirety, because you know, I'm not deeply political, but I was in in England when the wedding happened and everybody was so excited. Everybody loved Meghan. Everybody loved their union. I felt like the wedding was really forward thinking. You know, there was a a, a preacher. There was this amazing choir. Charles walked her down the aisle. He held her mother's arm. And I thought, wow, this is like, this is this amazing future. And I just think, you know, it's it's a difficult institution to to come into the royal family, because it's an institution. So I I I see all angles, but I I struggle to see what the gain of doing something like that is gonna
1: you mean doing the interview.
0: Yeah, I just don't really see ultimately what it's going to
1: solve. It's a, yeah.
0: It's I just difficult.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean what I found so interesting about it was how polarizing it was. I mean, I have family members and friends that I was shocked how the vitriol, like um, for and against Megan and the whole thing. And it was just shocking to me. And I guess, but you know what? It's just like reality television, right? Well, well, exactly. I mean, to me, it's like,
0: I feel sometimes we're getting that blurred. Do, Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's a kind of, there's a cutoff point, but you're right. I said to my husband, I said, boy, I thought it was just the vaccine that was going to be the new political controversial chat that you had with friends that are either so anti-vaccine or pro. I said, now we're throwing in the Royal family. And as a a Brit in America, I'm like, I'm sort of just going for being silent because I sort of don't really, you know, I just I don't believe we're racist. The British are racist. I feel like everybody's sort of gone beyond that. We're trying to be all inclusive and the conversations happened and it's moving in the right way. And then that was just like, Oh my God, this is just now chaos.
1: Yeah. Chaos.
0: That Royal wedding. I don't think you could beat it. I mean, I was, you know, I just think everything about that day was just so magical. I mean, well, the English do a royal wedding like you're watching Cinderella. I mean, I'm sorry yeah. to be that. But I mean, we really do. When we do a royal wedding, it's everything. If you depicted it to a child and go, there'll be a castle, there'll be blue skies, there'll be horses and ponies with plumage and soldiers. And you've got kind of to go, yeah, we tick all those boxes. We <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, um, Heather, what's next in your... because? I don't know how you fit it all in. Last night, I was sort of, you know, I've listened to your podcast, then I went on the website, then I was looking at different things. And I was thinking, okay, she does that as well. How do you schedule your life? Are you incredibly organized or does it just happen organic? I mean,
1: how do you fit it all in? I'm incredibly organized. I really am to the nth degree, to the point where I've had to learn over the years how to not be. Yeah. Because sometimes that can hurt your creativity. And sometimes, you know, if you're so structured, you can miss uh, an idea or an opportunity that could take you in another direction, right? Yeah. And, and also how to relax. I was going to say, and also how to switch off. And how to switch off. I've, I've really gotten very good at that in the last couple of years. So I'm <laughs> yes. honestly, so I'm happy about that. Um, but I am very organized. And, you know, things go in waves. So, you know, like when Tara and I have written three books together. So, you know, when you're writing a book, it's very intense and there's a lot going on and then you're done. Yeah. And then you do a press tour and then you're done. So it's not like a forever project.
0: But when you say organized, are we talking old school notepads by the bed with kind of lists and that? Are we talking high tech technology kind of
1: things that ping up on your phone going, Heather, you're due here in 20 minutes? Or are we talking something else? Where I'm kind of a hybrid. I mean, I love a yellow legal pad. There's something really satisfying about a legal yep. pad and a sharp pencil. Yes. I love a pencil. But it's easier to put it in my phone because. Yeah it lives and you can print and you know that kind of thing. But I'm not as technologically savvy as having one of those systems. I've tried to do that and it literally is so much for my brain to absorb that I kind of do a hybrid. I write things, I make notes, I transfer them to my phone, I have a calendar on my phone. I'm not getting pinged in alerts all the time, but what I do is like the night before, I look to see what my day is the next day and I sort of yeah. mentally plan it out. And then, and I'll go through the week as well, like on the weekends, and just make sure everything is going right. I have lists upon, I love a list. So do I. I love a list. I love checking things off a list. I like deleting a
0: list and then refreshing it the next day with the fresh piece of paper and the fresh pencil and starting again. Yeah,
1: Exactly. And so, and you know, I have a whiteboard and I'm actually right now in the process of, I turned my guest room into a studio. Now that for the last year, I haven't been going into my podcast studio. I'm creating one here. Great. And I realized Part of my problem, like this is a beautiful room I'm sitting in, it's my office in the house, but it's not work. So I, I realized I actually like going to work and, you know, being in a different space and feeling creative. So I have created that. For myself. And um, I'm super excited about that. But yeah, so I schedule everything the night before. I look at the schedule for the next day. I wake up in the morning. I visualize. I, I have a gratitude moment. And then I just get going. But really, if you don't write things down, they don't get done.
0: No, I think I, I don't think we'll ever lose that really. And, and I'm sort of hope we don't because I've got so many great notebooks and pencils lying around. I don't want to ever lose the ability to write it down. But I mean, you know, with the podcast and everything, your, your downtime must be quite limited. And, and, and I love the fact that you, you cover everything. You cover the hippest travel, the trends and, and speak to great people. And podcasting is such a great way to do it, isn't it? You just meet such amazing people. You
1: really do. And, you know, it's grown and changed over the years. I've been doing it six years. I think I'm at like over 115 million downloads or something like that. And this year in particular, I got to start having more and more guests and and different interesting guests because of Zoom. Because I used to, I didn't ever do phone interviews, because I didn't like the disconnectedness no. of it. And so I like having people in the studio. And that's why I would always go to LA because it's easier to get people in studio. In LA, they're doing book tours and press tours and that sort of thing. But now with this technology, I can, even if I'm using just the audio, I see you, we're connecting, yeah. and I feel like we're in the room together. And the energy is just so much different. That has been huge for me. I absolutely yeah absolutely love that. So yeah, podcasting is just, it's such an amazing outlet. And I love that my daughter's gotten into it. I know hers is brilliant too. I've listened to hers. I mean, you must be so proud. She's, you
0: know, she's taken it from you, but she's, she's brilliant on it. And what a great thing to do at her age and to help other, other people. I mean, she will have such a huge impact out there. You must
1: be so proud. I am proud. I, I, you know, when she came out, I said to her, cause she, you know, she's got tons of followers on social media and all this. And I go, I go, listen, you know, you're having a moment. What? Cause she was on, you know, all the, the digital covers, people.com and this and that. Yeah. And, this week. and I go, you're having a moment. What are you going to do? The people are listening. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. I go, why don't I go, do you want to try a podcast? She's like, no, she walked away. And then a few days later she goes, I think I'd like to do a podcast. (laughs) She was joking. It was a little tongue in cheek, but I, you know, she thought about it and I said, yeah, do it. So what's interesting about her age group, as you know, it's short attention span theater when you're, you know, 14 to 17 years old, not easy to get kids to listen to a podcast because, you know, they're used to TikTok and YouTube videos and everything's like five minutes or less or 45 seconds or less. Yes, so true. And so to get them engaged is a big deal. So I love that she's building this following and and getting... And she also has a lot of adults listening.
0: I'm sure, you know, parents dealing with it would listen to her in order to get... So I think that knock-on effect is amazing. And I also saw that you are building like a little... Escape place in Idaho, of all yeah. places. I was thinking, yeah. are we are we going to see Heather and Terry on the potato farm doing something? <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe they found a miracle cure in
1: something there that we're going <laughs> to. I would love to say that's true, but it's not. So, <laughs> okay. no, we we went. You know, obviously travel was, has been very limited yeah. over the last years, but our friends. I had bought a piece of land in this beautiful community in Coeur d'Alene. And so we went with them and I went, yep, let's do it. This is it. Let's build it. It's a such house. a
0: beautiful, I mean, I haven't been, but I've seen pictures. I have been a either. Beautiful it's- part of the world.
1: Oh, it's just stunning. You know, and you're in New York. And so, you know, as I grew up in Westchester County with the trees and the, and, you yeah. know, it, it just like it, that environment. And so what was interesting when I went to Idaho is that it's got like a West Coast sort of casual chic vibe but it feels like the east coast like yeah. it's the trees and the air and the lake I, it, I, it reminds me of upstate new york
0: yeah how wonderful that's yeah. such a great thing to do well i have to ask you before i let you go because i could talk to you for hours i need to ask <laughs> you my two key questions the first one being what gives you life
1: my family, and I know that, you know, I don't want that to sound like trite or anything, but it's true. They give me life. I I I've always been very career oriented and a driven person. And I love to work and all that, but I've always been very cognizant of the fact that at the end of your life, you don't think, I wish I had done 10 more TV shows and I wish and even though I do, I look, I've had failures, I've had setbacks, I've had all kinds of things where you go, oh, well, you know, why, why couldn't it have gone that? But at the end of the day, this family that I've created gives me so much joy and so much life. And I am so proud to watch them becoming these independent, functioning human beings. And I know I had something to do with that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. At least a good 50%. I yeah, 42. <laughs> <you know. laughs> and what feeds your soul? Uh, You know what, feeding my soul, it it, it could be a variety of actual things, but it's it's when I, I feel such intense joy of accomplishment and that accomplishment can come from many different areas. It could be from my kids. It can be from my work. I don't need fame. I don't need accolades from other people. I love creating. And so whether it's creating humans or creating content or even just being like i i have to tell you like i love my husband so much and i got so lucky cuz you know it's such a leap of faith when you get married and it really is yeah you grow up together and all this he feeds my soul it's not all perfect and there's not you know you have good days and bad days you can have yeah. good years and bad years i mean it's just that's life but it's how you get through all of that yeah. i mean i think that was one of the hardest things for me being on reality television was the portrayal of our marriage made it seem real. We, we had one really bad year during that show and I've yeah. talked about it before, but we had one really bad year and we showed it, you know, that's what was going on. And it was hard to watch it play out, but the narrative, it was hurtful because it wasn't really our relationship in, you know, portions of it, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Cause you know, you could film someone for a year and make two different movies. One where they look like a hero and one where they look like an a-hole. So, you know, and most of it is like somewhere in between. So that was really, that was really difficult. And even now, I've been off the show four seasons and even now I'll, every once in a while, I'll get a comment like poor Terry, like (laughs) terrible wife who like, I don't know. Like he's on a leash. I guess
0: that's the kind of, that's the downside of reality TV because ultimately you're in the hands of the editing.
1: You just never know how you're going to come out of those things. You never know. But, you know, hopefully, and I think by the end, by the last year, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I was like, okay, you know, not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. okay. It's not a popularity contest and, you know, that sort of thing. You have to sort of let it go, I guess, in the
0: end, because otherwise it would eat away at one. I've seen it with other people. You know, it can really eat away at you.
1: Yeah. Well, now when I take a project or we discuss a project or we're pitching a project, I really do try to make as an informed, intelligent decision as possible, not yeah. just for myself, but for the kids, for okay, my marriage, yeah. for the relationship. So I don't take things lightly. And I think that's probably
0: a very wise thing to do. Well, one more thing I wanted to chat to about Heather's Closet. Yeah. Because in COVID, I had what was known as my COVID closet, where my daughter, who is a fashion designer and set up her business during COVID, she said to me, mom, like, I can't let you dress like this. Like, this is going to be called your COVID closet. And we're going to put the mistakes in here, which I then took, I did take them to a charity donatable place afterwards, because I made a lot of mistakes. And then I saw that you were doing your closet. And I kept thinking, almost crossly, you know, like Heather's getting this right. Because when you did go out, you were able to kind of like dress up again. When, you know, when there was a bit of freedom, you did and you were like, oh my God, this feels amazing. But it's so flipping hard. Like, I feel like I, I feel like the whole closet thing. I'm loving that you're doing that basically. Because I think we all need help now post pandemic. We're all a bit like, when I went into New York for the day, the best way I'd describe it, I went to New York for the day and I thought, gone are the days of my little flippy dippy cross shoulder handbag, because it doesn't fit the wand I've got from you, the K95 masks <laughs> and the spare one, then the pretty fabric one that I've got just in case I double yeah. mask, and then the hand sanitizer, of which I've got two flavors a spray, a cream. Then I've got the cream for the dry hands. After I thought, now you I need a like, lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. I need like a massive tote bag. Like, how are we all going to come out of this and have like
1: your closet? How can I make that work? So, all right, well, you know, I love that your daughter's a fashion designer. I've always had a penchant for designing, so I love designing homes, I love designing fashion, I love all of it. But my whole thing is is that I always felt like you shouldn't have to spend a fortune to look great. And you know, that's been the same thing with our skincare. When we first developed, we've been doing skincare for, we've been on the shopping channel for six years, but we've had a skincare company for 20. And so we've been doing this a really long time. And when we developed this particular line, we had offers to take it into all these high-end department stores and everything. I was like, no way! I hate going into a department store and seeing like a three hundred dollar eye cream. And I look at the ingredients. I'm like, really? What? What? what, There's nothing in there. Like, what? We're just selling hope in a jar. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So So you know, and I love our skincare. It's all I use. But I said, let's. Let's do it on a shopping channel. Let's do it somewhere where we can, everyone can get it for like reasonable prices, drugstore prices, whatever. And also
0: shopping channels have had a real resurgence because I used to do, TV presenting in England. And back in the day, I'm talking 25 years ago, if you were offered a job on a shopping channel, people would assume that that was not a good move. Now that is the place to be. You want to be on a shopping channel. It's made everything accessible. It's made fashion accessible, skincare accessible. You Mm -hmm. get to talk one-on-one with the experts and the people behind
1: it. People are giving you information. It's like you go into a store and there's a skirt there and you're like, that's pretty... And then you buy it and tell me if you've ever done this because I have, and then it stays in the closet and it never makes its way out because you don't know what to do with it. So no. one of the things I do with my fashion line, I, and I was developing this for a long time. And then of course, the you know, hard to launch a clothing line in a pandemic. I mean, crazy, but yeah. I'm looking, I have racks and racks sitting here with clothes mm. on. But I love the whole process of, but same kind of thing. So when I present the line on Shop HQ, I literally, I'll wear it, and show you how I wear it and how you can wear it. And we have models on the set that we style it different ways. So you can see like even if you don't buy every piece of the look of mine, I'm going to tell you what you have in your closet that you can wear with this. Exactly, yeah. I think that's what we're all craving really, because I think those days of shopping,
0: I think even the days of shopping in huge department stores are going to be somewhat curtailed for quite some time. Like I just don't think we're going to shop in the same way, but actually shopping online, which is what I was doing originally, was just like a disaster zone because you can't tell your size. You can't feel the fabric. And then you have to return
1: everything. And then you've got to return it, which is a pain in the ass. Oh my God, it's the worst. But the the shopping channel makes it very easy, honestly. I feel like my takeaway from the whole thing is not just getting it for a good price, which obviously is very, very important, but also it's that there really are no rules. And it's funny because you just said, I do a lot of this stuff wrong. And my feeling is this, There is no wrong. I used to have a friend years ago who would, I remember someone like wore a silver, some silver jewelry, but there was a gold zipper on the skirt or something. She was like, Oh, you can't do that. And then I had this other girlfriend who would layer and mix all the metals. And she was so cool. My friend Nancy, she's so cool. She always just looked perfect and put it. And I'd be like, you mix metals. And she's like, Oh yeah. And she she would go, she goes, don't overthink it. And I yeah. thought, yeah, don't yeah. overthink it. Wear what you like. So now, because I used to be like you and be like, is this right? Can I put these things together? I don't care. We, Terry and I went out to dinner last night and my daughter, Max, had bought this little houndstooth jacket. I don't know how, why it made its way to my closet, but it was in there. <laughs> so I put on, I had just, I was cold. So I put on like all black little turtleneck stuff. And I looked at the houndstooth jacket and I realized I had houndstooth pumps in my closet and I put them on. It was a little matchy matchy. I didn't care. I loved I love it. It was it. so cute. Yeah. But I'm telling you, two, three years ago, I would have gone, can you, are you allowed to do that? Is that okay? I don't care. Wear what makes you happy. I think you're right. I,
0: I love your advice. And you've been every bit as inspiring as I thought you would be to, to chat to in real life. And I love that. The biggest compliment I can say is you're just exactly the same as I thought you'd be. I, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. I love your husband in the best sense of the word. Don't want i happily <laughs> married. But I love your husband and I, as I say, if I was ever going to be fixed by anybody on that front, I would be coming to your husband for sure. Thank you very
1: much. I think he's amazing. And just thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You are such a love. I really, really (laughs) enjoyed this conversation. thank you so much
0: for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star
1: review and you can find out more by going to byemma.co.